Last weekend, 464 people from our very own Love Runs team participated in the Detroit Free Press Marathon. These people ran with a purpose and raised over $316,000 and counting for the fight against human trafficking. All of the money raised will stay right here in Detroit and be used to rescue, house, and restore victims of trafficking. While we live in a world with this much darkness, it is so comforting to know that our church has people who selflessly strive to spread God's light and wake the world up to Jesus. Thank you, love friends.
this is your life, are you who you want to be? This is your life, are you who you want to be? This is your life. Are you who you want to be? This is your life. Is it everything you dreamed it would be? I mean, that's just, that's just absolutely go to the soul challenging, isn't it? I mean, it's interesting because the arts can be just simple entertainment, enjoyable to be a part of. A lot of music that we listen to is just tap your foot, who cares about the words? And then you hear a song like that and it just goes right in and it digs deep. And for me, this, this question that that song raises brings up an even more challenging question as a Christ follower. And that's, is, is my life everything God designed it to be? I, that's bigger than anything I've dreamed or anything I've expected. It, it, Am I living below my potential, or am I living up to everything he wants me to be? And I, I have to tell you, I'll just be honest, I want my life to be what God wants my life to be. I want my life to measure up to his design, to go beyond anything I could dream. Don't, don't you want that for your life? I mean, this one life we've got, why not live it right? And I, I, I have to tell you, when I read the book of Acts, I'm... I'm challenged and I'm motivated by the people in that book whose stories, whose lives were changed by the hope of Jesus. I mean, those few people who truly woke up to Jesus, they, they experienced everything in their life changing, who they were, what they did, what they lived for, even how they died changed. They, they really did start living life as it was designed to be lived. And here's the reality. They, they started living lives beyond anything they could have ever dreamed before having met Jesus. Do you realize our greatest dreams are inconsequential when put up against everything God dreams us to be? I mean, immeasurably more is what he really looks for in our lives. And I'm motivated by their lives. I want to experience the same thing in my life that, that they experienced when they, they came to the hope of Jesus. But, but I have to tell you, I'm also challenged as I read through the book of Acts by the many lives that were not changed 
by the hope of Jesus. And you know there were more not changed than were changed, right? The ones who never found hope, the ones that lived their entire lives without it and, and ultimately died without it, they challenge me. They motivate me to want something more than what they experienced. It breaks my heart for them. It's such a waste of potential and it reminds me of this horrific truth. Most people don't experience the hope of Jesus. I mean, most people don't. You, you read the Bible and it focuses often on a couple of people whose lives were profoundly changed, whose stories became dramatically transformed, so much so that they transformed the world of their day. And yet, all around them are the many players whose lives were never changed. Most people don't experience the hope of Jesus. Most people never live the life they long for. Most people never experience their dreams coming true. Most people listen to a song like we just experienced and, and they feel this overwhelming sense of sorrow and guilt and sadness and grief that, that no, this isn't the life I thought it would be and no, my life isn't living up to the dreams that I had. And you need to know it's a, it's a truth that Jesus taught us that most people will never experience his hope. Look what he said in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. He said, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And that's where you'll find the multitudes. That's where you'll find the men, many entering. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And that's just for the few. Only a few find it. That just is an overwhelmingly sad passage for me that most people will never experience the hope of Jesus. Most people will know nothing more in their life than what they've already experienced, which is so far below what they were designed to experience. And God gives us the reason for this, by the way. God gives us the reason that most people will never experience the hope of Jesus. And it's, it'll sound funny on the front end, but it's absolutely true. It's because they're asleep spiritually. They're literally sleeping through the potential of their lives. They're asleep spiritually. It's what the Bible says. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 14. It's talking to people who did come alive by the hope of Jesus, whose lives were changed. It says, you were once darkness. You knew what it was like to live below your potential. You knew what it was like for life to be nothing like you knew it should be. You, you knew what it was like to not, to not experience the dreams of God coming true in your life. You were once darkness, but now... Everything's changed because you found the hope of Jesus. You, you're experiencing the light of the Lord. You're experiencing a whole new life. And then verse 14 says, and this is why it said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You got to wake up. You've got to realize that Jesus can literally transform your story. He can take you from believing that, that everything in this world is, is underperforming to experiencing dreams that you've never thought possible to dream before. In, in the fact of these people's lives who are asleep spiritually, life is going on all around them. They're, there's joy around them and love and meaning within their grasp. There's beauty around them and significance and value and hope. It, hope abounds. It's... It's right there where they can get it in their embrace and yet they don't see it. They, they never experienced life as they dreamed it would be, as God designed it to be for them. They just exist. They just sleepwalk their time away. They stay on the broad road that leads to destruction and loss. And it's just sad, isn't it? 
mean, I read through the book of Acts and I just realize it's like the vast majority of people never got to experience life as it was designed to be experienced. But I want to remind you of something. It's, it's just not some people back then. It's most people back then and now who don't experience the hope of Jesus. And, and it's not just people out there. You know, we like to talk about, you know, those people out there. Oh, my gosh, they're missing the whole thing. It's not just those people out there. It's, it's people in here. We're all in danger of missing it. I, I read the 28 chapters of the book of Acts, and, and most of the people living with and, and listening to those who had the hope of Jesus, they totally missed it. Never experienced it. And the same is true today for us as we now are living in the season of chapter 29. And it challenges me and it motivates me. I, I don't want to be one who misses it. I don't want to be one of those who think life's going okay, who think I've got a handle on it, who think I know more than those who talk about Jesus and miss the whole deal. I, I don't want to go through life and never experience it to live way below what God designed me to live. In fact, I, I'll just be frank. I, I want to be able to answer the question of that song, are you who you want to be with a big, fat, yes. I don't want to listen to that song and buy into it. You know, they wrote that song with all those sad Eeyore tones to it, you know. Oh, is it the life you want to be? You know, is it dreamed of? Like... You know you suck, and so do we. Let's sing about it for a while. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, they wrote the song, so we'd like feel horrible about life. You're right, it all sucks. It's all dark. Let's go to sleep. Let's eat some comfort food together today, right? I mean, that's how they wrote this song. And I don't want to surrender to that. That is most people's reality. But I want to be able to, to listen to that song and go, no, that's not my story. I've experienced the hope of Jesus, and I'm telling you, I'm living a life beyond anything I could have ever imagined or dreamed because that's what the hope of Jesus does. That's the life I want to live. Isn't that the life you want to live? I mean, let's embrace it. It's available to us. And it's more than that for me. I, I don't just want it for me and for you, those who I know. I, I, I feel the same way about all those who live in our world, our family members and our neighbors and our coworkers. I want... I want them to experience the life God designed for them to experience. I want us all to live above. That's why Jesus came. And yet most don't. Most don't. And so it leads me to this application that I want to share so that, so that maybe we won't and those who know us won't have to live below our potential. It leads me to, to know that if we want to experience the hope of Jesus, if we want to experience the life that we know we were created to experience, and if we want our world to experience it, then we need to wake up to Jesus. We need to wake up to Jesus. And this is so much more than coming to church being religious. Because the truth is, most people back in these days were extremely religious and went to synagogue faithfully, and they were still asleep, missing the whole thing. And I believe the same thing is going on today the majority of people sitting in places like this and singing the songs, listening to the songs, hearing the talks are missing the whole point. They're asleep in the light and we need to wake up to Jesus. 
Because look what happens in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, when you were separated from Christ, when you weren't alive to the hope of Jesus, you were without hope and without God in this world. You were in darkness. You listened to songs like that and got depressed because you knew this wasn't the life you were designed for. But now in Christ Jesus, it says, when you've really found him, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's changed everything for you. You see, when we really wake up to Jesus, it changes everything for us. In waking up to Jesus, we find everything we're looking for, everything we're longing for, life beyond our dreams, because God didn't make us to sleepwalk through our lives to just exist. He made us to be fully awake and fully alive. Are you? This is what it means to be awake to Jesus. And I... I was reading through Acts this summer, and I, I, well, my favorite passage, one of the passages that I've, I've always tried to design my, my ministry leadership off of, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, and it came alive to me in all new ways as I was reading through it, and I realized, oh my gosh, we're talking about writing a new story in chapter 29, letting God write his story through our lives so our lives can count and make a difference. And, and I said, Acts 2, 41 through 47 is is the storyline. And then I realized what he lays out is the storyline in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. This is after Jesus had died and been buried and rose again and after he ascends to the Father and after the Spirit comes down and, and infills his people and they become his church. He gives us the storyline right there at the end of Acts chapter 2. And I realized every single chapter after that is that story again. It's the storyline. It's what happens. And so I just thought if we're going to live chapter 29, right, if we're going to let God write the right kind of story in our lives as individuals and as a church, then, then we need to get this storyline because there's never been a great story of life ever written that doesn't follow this storyline. And so here's the storyline, Acts 2, 41 through 47. The first thing that happens is back then people woke up to Jesus People woke up to Jesus. People who had been blind to him. People who had been asleep. People who had yelled, crucify him, crucify him. And, and, and been a part of the crowd that nailed him to the cross. I mean, all of a sudden, here they are in Jerusalem. And the message is proclaimed. And the Spirit of God wakes them up. And, and they wake up to Jesus. Look at Acts 2.41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I mean, this is this unbelievable 3,000 people whom who had lived in darkness, who had lived the wrong story, who were living far below where God designed them to live, all of a sudden woke up to Jesus and, and the whole storyline began to change. That's awesome. And I read that and I go, 3,000 people. 3,000 people heard this message and they, they fell on their face and they trusted Jesus. Their lives were changed. That, I'd love that if that happened here. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, just 3,000 people, carnal people like you, finally coming to Jesus. You know, wouldn't that... Just kind of kidding. But you, well, that'd be... What a dramatic thing. I see 3,000 people sleeping every service that I teach. But 3,000 people coming to faith, that'd be awesome. And that's what happened here. But, but I want you to know, as big as that sounds, it's not that big. 3,000 sounds huge. But there were... Most people believe about 250,000 people in Jerusalem during this moment. And only 3,000 
came to Jesus. You see, most people never experience the hope of Jesus. They hear about it. They can see it. They can know about it. They can learn about it. They can be motivated by it. They, but most people never experience it. Only 3,000 out of those 250. Do you know how sad the other 249,000 were? Same thing's going on today. But people woke up to Jesus. And then you know what they did? Everything changed in their storyline. You don't wake up to Jesus and everything stays the same. You know that, right? You can wake up to religion and everything can stay the same. But you can't wake up to Jesus and everything stays the same. And so what happened to them is the first thing as I read this passage is that they started living in Jesus' love for the very first time. They started experiencing love, God's love, genuine love, life-changing love for the very first time, the kind of love that accepts, the kind of love that doesn't betray, the kind of love that keeps its promises, the kind of love that's always there, the kind of love that doesn't fail, you know, the kind of love that we all long for when we hear that song. Our, is life panning out the way you thought it would? And you go, no, I've never been accepted like that. I've never been loved. Even people who were supposed to love me and said they loved me, they failed me. They've broken promises. This life is a bitter earth. It's, a, it's an awful thing. And all of a sudden, these people started experiencing and living in God's love for the first time. And you know what happened? Not only did they live in his love, but they lived out his love. Because you see, this is something you can't breathe in without breathing out. You, you can't, if you breathe in bitterness, you breathe out bitterness. If you breathe in hurt, you breathe out hurt. If you breathe in anger, you breathe out anger. But if you breathe in the love of Jesus Christ, you can't help but breathe out that love. They lived in and out the love of Jesus. This is a big deal. I see it in Acts chapter 2, verse 45. Look, it says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And a lot of us read right by that because we don't want to think about having to give to other people, right? But what is a demonstration of is they, their property was their property. Their possessions were their possessions. They were like us. They closed-handed. These are mine. These are mine. I don't get much in this world. I'm going to hold them. But all of a sudden, when they breathed in the love of Jesus, they opened their hands and they said, I want to love you like I've been loved. You do realize in this world we're all looking for love and acceptance. We were rejected on the playgrounds of our, of our educational experiences or we were rejected, you know, in some form, in some way. And, and everything we do, even the little lies we tell, the, the images that we put on, it's all about trying to get people to love us. But when we experience and live in the love of Jesus... We no longer have to take from others and withhold from others. We can open our hands and give to others because we are overflowing with love. And that's what Jesus said would happen when we know him. Look at John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you vote right. Wait a minute. He... <laughs> he didn't say that. I hear that from Christians all the time, but it, it's not what he said. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Because you see, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you, you're living in his love, and love's going to spill out of you. He didn't say that people would know you're his followers because you go to the right church or you've been baptized the right way or if you've gone through catechism or if you've done your first communion. He says that 
They would know you're his followers by your love because when you live in his love, you breathe out his love. It's this kind of love that changed the world, you need to know. And this, the world of the book of Acts, the first 28 chapters, was a world of darkness and hatred. And it, it was this kind of love that changed the world back then. You know, the kind of love that allowed Jesus to be tortured brutally and nailed to a cross. And while on that cross, being as mistreated as anyone has ever been mistreated, to say, Father, forgive them. I love them, I care about them, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And when you experience that kind of love, you respond with that kind of love, which is exactly what happened to the few in the story of Acts who experienced Jesus. There's a guy named Stephen who, who had his whole story changed by living in the love of Jesus, and, and he was brutally treated, killed, for his faith. And look what Acts chapter 7, 59 to 60 says. It'll be on the screens. It says, while they were stoning him, and by this it doesn't mean they were sharing their pot so he could get high. I mean, it, this wasn't, you know, <laughs> while they were getting stoned with him. I know some of you read the Bible in interesting ways, but that's not what this is saying. <laughs> Stoning was a form of capital punishment. What they'd do is they'd circle around an individual and they'd pick up big rocks and they would pelt that person until they died. I can't even imagine the fear and the pain of that. I can't even imagine. But during that experience when he was being pelted with rocks that eventually killed him, look at Stephen's prayer. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he died. That's a person who woke up to Jesus, see? And you know who was part of this horrible event? A guy named Saul was part of this horrible event. Because he was the one authoring the persecution. He was the one authoring the, the jailing and the destroying of the lives of anyone who was following Jesus. And so he was all for the killing of Stephen. But he saw something he wasn't expecting to see. He saw that the man he was killing had a life he wanted. He realized that his religion left him empty and angry and here was a guy who was being killed and he was filled with love and compassion and he couldn't deal with it. And When Jesus showed up to talk to Saul, the first thing Jesus says to him is, it's really tough to deal with it, isn't it? It's tough to kick against the goads. And what he's saying is, you want what Stephen had. You don't have it. But you can. And Saul's life was transformed. He met, finally, the hope of Jesus. And you know what he did? He gave his entire life for love of others so others would know Jesus. And he, too, like Stephen, was ultimately killed for that love. How did he go from such a hateful, angry person to a person who died out of love for other people? Because that's what the hope of Jesus does in us. When you live in that love, you live out that love. And here's my question. Is that you? Stephen woke up to Jesus. We know it because he began to live in love and live out love. Paul woke up, woke up to Jesus. He woke up. That's true. <laughs> but he also woke up, you know. Depends on your educational level. And 
And we know it because he began to live out that love. And yet today, that doesn't remind me of Christianity. Does that remind you of modern-day Christianity? No, but it should if we're really awake to Jesus. This love should not be rare. It should be what all believers are who live in Jesus' love. And my prayer is that's who will be. But the storyline didn't end there. They woke up to Jesus, so yeah, they were living in his love and living out his love. But you know what else? They were living in his truth and living out his truth. Living in his truth. Up until this time, they were living in their traditions. They were living in their rituals. They were seeking from God what they wanted. They were trying to build their kingdom and their way, get what they wanted in this world, you know, their dreams. And life was falling apart underneath them. They'd listen to this song and they'd go, no, life's not all I thought it would be. But, but then they found his truth and they said, I'm not going to do what I want to do anymore. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to build my kingdom. I'm going, to, I'm going to build your kingdom. And they started living in his truth and they started sharing that truth everywhere. Look at Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I mean to God's truth and to fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayer. You know who they were becoming like? Jesus. You... You can't follow Jesus and not live in and live out God's truth. Did you know that? His whole, his whole life and ministry was defined by these three words, it is written. What, what happened when the evil one came and tempted Jesus? What did Jesus do? He says, it's written. Why? Because in his personal life, he lived in and lived out God's truth. But when he taught, what was he doing? He was living in God's truth, and so he was simply breathing it out. He was sharing God's truth because that's what Jesus did, and that's what all believers should do. When we wake up to Jesus, that's what happens. Look at 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. He's saying, look it, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life instead of you or other things. You need to live his truth, not your truth. And when you, when you live in his truth, you're going to live it out. So always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the hope you have. What's the reason for the hope you have? Simply, if you're living in his truth, people are going to see the difference and you're going to tell it. You're going to share it. Paul did this. When he came to faith, he had been killing Christians and he met Jesus, and it changed his life. And you know what the first thing he did was? He started telling people about Jesus. He was throwing them in prison for following Jesus, and as soon as he found Jesus, he started telling people about Jesus. I mean, in fact, read about it in Acts 9. I'll kind of tell you what happened. In verses 20 through 22, it says, the first thing he did was he went out and started proclaiming Jesus, and, and everyone was astonished. Isn't this the guy that was throwing Christians in prison? What's he doing preaching Jesus? And it says he just kept getting more and more powerful in the story. He, he was proving Jesus as Messiah. How did he prove it? By what he knew? No. By who he knew. People could argue with the facts that he spoke, but they couldn't argue with the transformation in his life. He went from angry and hateful and destructive to someone who wanted to lift and build everyone up in the love of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, how can you argue with that? You can't. You see, it's not how much you know, it's who you know. And if you know Jesus, you want others to know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? You see? We live in and we live out his love. We live in and we live out his truth. And today, 
Most people are hiding his truth because it's not politically correct in our world and we think that people will reject us and hate us and dismiss us. But if we really believe it's the truth, wouldn't we care more about people knowing the truth than how they treat us when we tell them the truth? I think so. That's what happened then. And then, when they really woke up to Jesus, not only did they live in and out his love and in and out his truth, but they also lived in and out involvement with God's people, with God's family. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 46, and every time you see the word together, underline it or circle it or highlight it if you're using a digital Bible. I mean, it's huge. All the believers, all of them, not, there weren't some that weren't, you know, there weren't creasters back then, you know? You know, some that just went Christmas and Easter and that kind of thing. Creasters. All the believers back then, because they were all awake, were together. I mean, they, they were involved together and had everything in common. They shared because they were living in love. They lived out it. They were living in truth. They lived out it. They were living in involvement. They lived out it. And then jumping to verse 46, every day, get this one. I mean, you're going to love this one. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they got together like we're getting together right now. Every day. I'm getting an idea. Every day. They just... They couldn't handle it. They wanted to get together every day. Some of you are going, well, it's, let's see, it's not raining today. It's not snowing today. It's not too cold. It's not too warm. There's no good sports on. All right, I'll go. <laughs> every day. Anyway, let's get together. Let's, let's worship God together. Let's talk about God together. Let's grow. And, then, and when they left, look what it says they, they did. And then when they left, they, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. They couldn't get enough of each other. It's an amazing. They lived in involvement and out involvement because this is exactly what happens when you finally find a community that loves you unconditionally and accepts you unconditionally and is seeking to make you better and lift you up instead of tear you down, is keeping their promises and loving you and telling you the truth. You want to be with them. And that's where they were. And you know, that's what the church is supposed to be. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. It tells us what the church is supposed to be. For just as each one of us has this one physical body with, with many parts, you know, we have fingers and arms and toes and legs, etc., and these members don't all have the same function. Good thing, because if my legs did what my arms do, I'd be, I'd be really weird, right? And so one body, but it takes all these different parts. Look what he says. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Do you realize that when you live in involvement and out involvement, what happens is you, you become a part of a community that makes you better? Because you don't have the, all the gifts, and they don't have all the gifts. But when you all come together, all of a sudden... You have everything you need because you have each other. A lot of people have asked about our, our opening video to this series, Chapter 29. Um, it's, have you seen the, the dominoes that all fall and, and it spells out Chapter 29? Have you seen that? And I've been asked, you know, did you do that? And I said, yeah, that's, that's what I do all day. I uh, <laughs> sit in my office and play dominoes. It's awesome. It's a great job. Don't you wish you had it? I mean, seriously, right? But, but it's, it's, we found a professional domino person actually does it for Hollywood, et cetera, and, and um, 
she laid this thing out for us, and then our video team shot that. And you'd say, why, why dominoes? Because you see, one domino is worthless. But when you put thousands of dominoes together so that they work together and fall together, what happens is you can tell a beautiful story. And that's what we're supposed to be. With each other, we can be valuable, right? With each other. Do you know why we're living way below where God designed us to live? Because together we can, but alone we can't. And most of us are living alone. We need to be involved. They became part of a community where every single person in their community was trying to make the other person better. And that's the kind of community I want to be a part of. When, when you live in love, truth, and involvement, and you live out love, truth, and involvement, do you know what happens? For the first time in your life, you're experiencing life as it was meant to be. You're experiencing God's dreams coming alive in your life. You're experiencing hope, the life you've always dreamed of. And you know what's sad? Most people never experience this hope, and it's not just most people out there, it's most people in here. How sad. And you know what happened when, when they woke up to Jesus and they lived in his love and truth and involvement and they lived out his love, truth, and involvement? You know what happened then? It's, it's unbelievable. The storyline is all right there in verses 41 through 47 of Acts 2. It's the whole storyline. Do you know what happened then? This is crazy. More people woke up to Jesus. Of course they did. I mean, look at Acts 2, 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In a world where most people were rejecting it, in a world where most people were living out without it and living in darkness, when they finally were confronted by people who had love, truth, and involvement, the life that they always longed for, some of them came to faith. They woke up to Jesus. Of course they did. That's how the storyline's written. Do you know how I know Jesus? Because someone woke up to Jesus and they lived in his love and truth and involvement. They lived it out and someone else came to Jesus because of them and then they lived in it and lived out it and someone else came to Jesus because of it. And somewhere along the way, I met one of those people. That's awesome. That's the story. That's when we start living life as it was meant to be. Here's, here's what I want you to see. Go back to that song. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? This is your life. Is it everything that you dreamed it would be? Are you living the life you were created for? The first four words of that chorus are the ones that really get me. This is your life. This is your life. This is it. This is all you got. I'm, I'm 58 years old, and I know I don't look it. Uh, I used to be able to get away with that before we got HD cameras. Uh, since we've had the HD, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. You're fired. Before we had the HD cameras, uh, you know, I could get away with saying that. Now, since we've had them, people have come up to me and said, you're a lot older than I thought you were. Thank you very much. Could you go to another church, please? You know, seriously. Got the gift of encouragement. But anyway, it's like, 
I'm 58 years old, and, and I have to just tell you, I don't know where it's gone. I mean, I just cannot believe. I remember my dad younger than I am. I mean, when I picture my dad, my dad's been gone almost two decades now. When I picture my dad, I picture him as younger than I am. This is the only life I've got. It's the only life you've got. Is it everything you dreamed it would be? And I'm going to tell you, if you've not met Jesus Christ, if you're not awake to him, it's not. I don't care what you have or what you've done. It's not, but, but it can be. But it depends on your answer to this question. Are you awake spiritually? I didn't ask if you're religious, if you've been catechism. I didn't. Are you awake to Jesus? Are you living in his love? I mean, so filled with his love, so completed by his acceptance of you that you're not having to prove anything to anyone anymore and you just want to love others. Is that you? Even when they mistreat you, even when they hurt you, even when they betray you, you don't have to respond in betrayal to make yourself feel better because Jesus has already so filled you with his love that if everyone on the planet betrayed you, you are still defined by Jesus' love. And so you can love like Stephen did, like Jesus did, like Paul did. Is that you? Are you fighting to find love? Are you living in his truth, knowing freedom? And living it out, sharing it? Are you living in involvement where you long to be in community? In relationship with others? In places like this you long to be here? Or you look for reasons not to be here? Have you woken up spiritually? If not, then that's the whole deal. I'm going to tell you, there's, there are two kinds of lives. Those who wake up to Jesus and those who don't and the majority don't and the majority waste their lives and die and then there are the few who wake up to Jesus and everything becomes beyond their dreams not because everything's good you do notice Stephen died and Paul died <laughs> but they lived lives they could have never dreamed of living that's what I want for me for you so before I ask you the last question and we finish the talk, would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment? And as we pray, I just really want to encourage you, whether you're at one of our regional campuses or watching online or here in Plymouth, if you're a believer already, can I ask you, are you living awake to Jesus or are you asleep in the light? Wake up. If you're here and you've never let Jesus in, I just encourage you, pray with me right now. In fact, I'm going to pray. You just take my words and make them the expression of your heart to God, quietly to God. Just say, Jesus, I, I, I want to know your love and your truth. I, I don't deserve it. I've, I, I have. I've lived apart from you my own way. I've, I've sinned against you. But I believe you died on that cross to forgive me of my sin and rose again to give me new life. And so I'm, by faith, receiving that love and that truth so I can be involved with your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I tell you, at Northridge, we don't, we don't just want to make you go off and do things on your own. We'd love to support you if we could. And if you just prayed with me, we'd love to share next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. And 
to know what those next steps are, we put together a letter, and all you have to do is tell us you prayed with me. And so there's a connection card in this program you can rip out and check off the appropriate box for you. And then there are boxes at every single exit. All you have to do is throw it in there on your way out. And it's true at all of our regional campuses. And we'll send you that letter. And if you're watching online, just hit the What Next button, and we'll do the same thing for you so that you can start taking next steps in your relationship with God. But here's the second question. Are you waking up others? Are you awake spiritually? Have you woken up to Christ? And are you waking up others? You won't find the person in Acts 1 through 28 that wakes up to Jesus and doesn't wake someone else up. It's impossible to live in his love and, and not live it out, to live in his truth and not live it out, to live in involvement and not live it out. It's impossible. And, and yet I see all around the world today people who claim to be living in his love, but they're not living it out. Let me just tell you something. It's not good enough to live in it. You have to live it out. Are you waking others up? And I'm not talking about, because every time I talk about waking others up, telling your story, I mean, I see, you, you don't know this, but I, I can actually see you. You know, it's like, and it's like, it's like you're having strokes and stuff. It's like you're having anxiety attacks. You reach for the Valiums. As soon as I start talking about sharing your face, it's like, uh, 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 uh. you know, it's crazy. I'm not talking about knocking on strangers' doors and saying, turn or burn. I'm not talking about that. In fact, if you're knocking on strangers' doors, stop it. You're weird, right? And if you're saying turn or burn, really, might be the wrong message, okay? What I'm talking about is that when you're truly awake to Jesus, living in his love, living in his truth, living in involvement, you are so filled up that you can't help but spill out love, truth, and involvement, and people will see it. So let me ask you, what's spilling out of your life? What's spilling out of your life, and are, are people seeing it? I, 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 I love Northridge Church. I... I Northridge Church isn't a perfect church. Look, at we don't have a perfect pastor. I mean, whew. I, like the comment about getting stoned earlier might have been, a, uh, you know, when I talked about sharing your pot and getting stoned and that passage, you know, that might not have been good. I don't know. <laughs> Got kids and crap in here. Oh, crap might not have been good. Last week, I talked about Boone's Farm. I, I know, I, I, I'm a mess. You know, and it's okay because I'm better than you. And uh, I mean, we're all a mess, right? We're not a perfect church. But you know what I love about this place? This story's being lived out. People really are waking up to Jesus and living in his love and living it out, living in his truth, living it out, living in involvement, living it out. And, I see it every week. There are people who, they literally can't help but invite someone to come to church with them because they want them to experience what they're experiencing in this community. When was the last time? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that awesome that they're doing that? When was the last time you invited someone? What's spilling out of you? There are people who, this how I GOC thing, you know, it's like GOC's coming, the glory of Christmas. They're buying tickets for everybody they can. They can't, they can't wait. It's exciting. They know lives are going to change. When was the last time you bought a ticket for someone for GOC? Do you know what I mean? 
Love Runs. We did the celebration video of Love Runs. Yet these are people who, they're willing to train for and run a marathon just to tell people that Jesus loves them. Let me tell you something. There are other ways. <laughs> but I mean, that's how crazy they want to tell people about the love of Jesus. And I love that. What are you doing to live out the love of Jesus? And so I want to end with this, the mission of hope. I called this talk the mission of hope because I think that's what, that's what chapter 29 is supposed to be about. That's what chapters 1 through 28 of Acts are all about. That's what our lives are supposed to be about. It's a mission of hope we're on. And you know what it is? It's our 16 words. Wake the world up to Jesus. Show them his love. Tell them his truth. And involve them. Do you know that's what they were doing in Acts 2? And Acts 3, and Acts 4, and Acts 5. Here's the question. Are we doing it in chapter 29? Because when we do that, then we can say, yes, I'm living the life and beyond everything I've ever dreamed because that's what the hope of Jesus does. Let's do it together. Next week, I hope you'll come. I hope you'll invite someone. And something we don't do, we've only done one other time in two decades on the weekend. Next weekend, together as a church family with all that would come in, we're going to celebrate communion together. I hope you'll come. We'll see you next time.